Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host, and today I am joined by John Harms, the owner of Mevo 2. I love Mevo. This is the software that we use at Pink Lady Lash, and I switched over a year ago just because of some reporting features and the difference in price uh, from what I was used to paying. Um, I really love Mevo though because they give a small business type of feel to you when you interact with the business. Um, anytime I've called, I feel like I know the person um, because I've spoken to them before. They don't have a ton of salespeople. And I know in the episode he says out of like 200 something employees, only six people are salespeople. They do a lot of word of mouth. So in this episode, we're not really talking about why you should switch your booking system or anything like that. We're actually talking more about um, customer experience and making your customer Customers feel important and heard and just some things to chew on as far as like client satisfaction and really quick before we hop into the episode I just want to say a quick thank you if you attended the lash boss conference this was year two and it was virtual again next year it will be in person so I hope to see you there I might relaunch year two's conference later this year so if you didn't attend um, you may get another chance also just to let you know this is the second to last episode of season nine season 10 will launch later this summer I'm gonna take a little break a little hiatus um, but it won't be long just about a month and a half or so and I will be back but for now I hope that you guys enjoy this episode Episode. And without further ado, here is John Harms. All right, John, welcome to Lash Boss Radio. Hey, Shelby. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Um, I've been running to interview you for a long time. I am a Mevo 2 client and um, also a strategist client, and they talk about Mevo 2 all the time. Um, so I want to just start with how did you get into like software and, and even like being interested in like the beauty industry and all of that? So it was way back when I was in high school. Uh, my sister was a stylist and there was a salon called the Village Salon in Tannersville, Pennsylvania, and they needed software. And back then there really wasn't much available, at least nothing that really resonated with the beauty industry. It was maybe somebody that just had a point of sale system and said, oh, I'll sell it to the beauty industry. So that's really how it started. And I just would show up at that salon after school on the weekends and watch and just learn. And, and um, so I quickly built a point of sale system. But what I realized was the most important thing to a salon was the appointment book. And it's the last thing they were willing to give up. So if you look at modern times, the thought of being on paper for most people, although I still see it, uh, it seems like, oh, my God, how would you ever do it on paper? Every time the client comes in, you write and pencil their name. You ask them for their phone number every time. You ask them for their email address every time. You know, they cancel, you're erasing. And, you know, uh, so uh, I learned that they refuse to go to an, uh, an appointment book on a computer because no computerized appointment book is really done right. And so I think that's what really took off uh, in the 90s where my company took off to the point where um, at that point I had gone got a computer science degree I, I had gone to work for AT&T while I was doing this on the side, um, and I designed their satellite tracking system in the called the Skynet satellite tracking system, and I learned a lot about scheduling during that as well. But I left AT&T within a couple of years because the company took off once I built the first industry appointment book that segmented color the way you expect it, with start, gap, and finish. It was revolutionary. I mean, we look at it now, and everybody does it, but... You know, I was the first one that really listened to the salons and said, oh, this is you want to do a men's haircut in that gap time uh, or, you know, obviously in, in the salon world. Um, and it still has the same application across spas and salons and 
and, and everything. So, so that's really how it uh, took off. And so that was clear back in 1987. And um, so uh, I've been doing this for a long time and I still love it. Wow. So first was Millennium. And then, Actually, no. oh, okay. Actually, first, uh, a lot of people, so the one I just talked about where I invented the segmented appointment book and where I really started working with people like strategies on KPIs and what mattered uh, was a system called Salon Solutions. So the first one was Salon Solutions, and then Millennium came in 2000, 1999. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Um, and now that Mevo 2 is out, I feel like everyone talks about it all the time. Um, the, the things within your business that you have to be tracking, such as like retention and like all of these reports that you always have to be pulling um, are really important to salon owners. And almost like if you don't have a system that just has it like right there, you almost don't realize how important doing stuff like that and tracking stuff like that is. And I had that experience and I'm not going to name who I used to be with before, but, um, it was just, there was a lot of reports, but I never really saw them. And with Mevo, it's like front and center and it's like almost just showing how important that stuff is. And then strategies obviously talks about it too. But, um, so how did you, I guess, were you, um, just evolving as you had like the different like salon solutions? And then did you just take feedback from people and just keep adding to it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always joke around at our conference I, on stage and things. I'll say I'm not probably the smartest person in the room, but I, I do believe from a software perspective, I've been the best listener. Mm-hmm. You know, from the day one, I went in and said, what is it you need? Where a lot of people go in and say, let me tell you what you need. And the beauty industry is not like any other retail industry. And if you think of it that way, it's never going to succeed. And, and the things that strategies early on, uh, Neil and I were talking and I remember in like 1997, we were sitting around one time at a conference and he's like, you know, one of the biggest problems with salons is cash flow. They get to all these gift cards at Christmas and then they come and get redeemed in January and they don't have the cash because they look at the cash as cash and it's not, you know, I should go in a separate account so that when people come in and redeem, you're taking it out of that account so you don't go spend it. So I started thinking about that. And I'm like, all right. So the next day I showed up at the pool because we were at a convention and I said, hey, Neil, let me show you something. I had written the industry's first cash flow projection report that night. So that's the kind of way I built the company, you know, whether it was listening to how appointments should be booked or listening to smart people like Neil saying, hey, this is what the industry doesn't understand, right? Um, I also came out, one of the other things I'm very proud of to this day, 20 years ago, I wrote the industry's first uh, client retention report that goes down to the sixth visit. And the reason that's so important is, again, somebody at a show came up to me and said, you know, the industry keeps saying that the average new client retention is 35%. I get 100 new clients a month. If that were true, within two years, I couldn't even add another uh, client to my book. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? The industry said that. And I've statistically looked at it. It is 35%. Um, Actually, I helped the industry. The industry used to think it was higher. And then as we kept working on it, we're like, no, it's only 35%, not 42 or whatever they used to publish before they had concrete data. But so that got going in my head. And again, that weekend, I went up to my room and I wrote the industry's first client retention visit that went out to the sixth visit. And it was mind boggling. So, and I have access to so many salons data, I could verify that it was true across the board, that that industry in the industry, that second visit was 35%. The third visit went down to like 21%. And by the fourth visit, we're in the teens. And by the sixth visit, the average salon 
was only keeping eight um, to 10% of their clients, their new clients. And the biggest drop off was on the third visit. And the only way I describe that to people is um, I believe it has to do with, you know, people are forgiving. I come in, I get my lashes done the first time, like, eh, you know, it was okay. I go a second time. I'm like, maybe it's just Susie. I don't like, (laughs) so maybe a third time I'll try someone else. And finally I go, this isn't working. They're coming off. It bothers my eyes, whatever that might be. Um, So, uh, and then the biggest part of it to me and something I still want to help try to solve for the industry is I believe it's about relationships. You know, 50% of why I go to, if you look at my hair, you can't see it on the podcast, but you know, Shelby can see it right now. It's pretty simple. It's pretty short on the side. That's that typical guy's cut. You know, I can probably go almost anywhere and get a haircut, but I want to go somewhere and talk or sit there with someone I enjoy. Might have similar interests, may, you know, or maybe, you know what, there are people like me that probably just look at it as a relaxing time and don't want to talk much. Right. So I think the relationship matters a lot. And I think part of the industry's issue with new client retention is that relationship you establish. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, I also feel like um, almost. I don't know. I I used to have a hard time whenever I was first opening, trying to find the right software. And I landed upon one that I just would hear a lot and one that they used in beauty school that I was like familiar with. So I just went with them, but I found that I was like lacking a lot of like, it just was like to, to pull off the information that I needed. It was just, it was just a ton of work. And then I I found myself like with the day-to-day of the salon, like not even going to look at reports that often. This was like several years ago. And then I think I switched to you guys um, maybe a year and a half ago. And y'all have something called the Smart Center. Can you explain a little bit what that is? Yeah, I lost my train of thought in my new client retention thing, but I did want to, because you set that up perfectly about where the industry's at. What I decided, Millennium really introduced the industry and especially smart groups like Strategies on how to get these KPIs and we created the monitoring station and some of these other things that nobody had that really brought front and center, um, you know, the important things about average ticket and client retention and retail to total as a percentage and, and all the other things we all know and love. Um, so when we were designing Mevo, I wrote most of Millennium. I wrote zero of Mevo. What we decided was it was more important for me to listen and be that person that understands the industry and architect the right tool and let them code it. So I tripled the size of the development department. We have like 60, 70 developers now. And one of the first things I said is, one of the most wasteful things about a software system is what happens. If it's not Mevo, it's any competitor, you start up the system and what do you see? A white background, maybe the logo of the software you're using or maybe your logo. What what good is that? So what I decided in Mevo was I wanted to create something we call the smart centers that you alluded to that are customizable dashboards by uh, role. So if I'm a stylist, I see a certain dashboard. If I'm a manager, I might see three different dashboards. If I'm the owner, I might have five different dashboards. But let's just take a service provider. You know, there's certain things that are important to them. How many new, new guests am I seeing this week? What's, what are my five-star ratings I've been getting in the last couple of days? Um, you know, how much estimated revenue am I going to get today or tomorrow or this week? Am I going to hit my goals? Those type of things, the retail numbers, the, the, the service numbers. So we default Mevo to certain dashboards, but you can customize them, change the color. We actually have strategies dashboards now that we've worked out with strategies that have the typical KPIs for strategies in there. So I could have a dashboard that's just for me, 
but then I can slide it over and see the dashboards for strategy. So to your point, what I think is so important about that is there are a lot of people that aren't part of strategies, right? Or new and out of school and just really excited about the numbers, but maybe don't know what numbers they should be watching. So for us to default these dashboards to key performance indicators that we know are going to make a difference, just to me, gives that advantage to people that don't even know what they don't know at that point. Um, and um, I, I've always been, even though I'm a technologist and a computer scientist, my number one thing, and anybody that knows me, especially Neil and other people, um, is I'm more in love with the business of beauty than the technology side of it, believe it or not. So when I can help a salon grow, they're going to stay with me. You know, I can have a pretty system. Evo is the most beautiful system anybody will ever see in the beauty industry, and it celebrates the industry. And I did that on purpose, and it works on any device, even a phone, in its entirety. No other software does that. So that, from a technology perspective and look perspective, mattered to me. But what I get most excited about and what's going to keep you, Shelby, or anybody else with me is, hey, not only is it easy to use, beautiful to use, and I can tell they understand me, I'm growing my business because of it. I'm getting clients in more frequently. I'm able to do these five-star reviews. I'm able to do marketing, all the tool that I use. So to me, long-term, I need to help the people that use our software grow so that they love Mevo and, and the competitors can send emails and call them all they want because why would you leave what's working? So uh, that's our goal. And it's been that way for 35 years now. Um, you mentioned uh, being your role now is like more of a like listener and um, understanding what the industry is needing and salon owners and such. Um, you are inside of a strategies group that I'm in. And I think like that's what made me finally switch is because you respond to everything, <laughs> everything. And yeah. um, you're very helpful. And then it just made me feel like, okay, this is a real company where I'm going to like speak to a person that is really going to help. And I've had that experience so much where we like needed something and we just call Mevo and we talk to someone and they're so helpful and they even follow back up. And it's just so, it's a different experience. So, um, yeah. Can you just talk about, I guess, um, your experience with like salon owners and like helping them out, helping them transition and stuff? Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people listening on here are managers or owners. And, and to me, everybody has their own mantra and what they think is the right thing. But for me, it's always been about transparency, culture, loving who we work with. I actually love working with the beauty industry. And, it, and, and I always believe strongly in leading by example. So if I want my staff to follow up, I follow up. If I want my staff to answer that question within five minutes, even though it's posted on a community site on Facebook, I answer it in two minutes. Like I literally, to this day, it's become a fun thing where uh, the support team celebrates if they answer a question before me because I'm that psychotic about it. Like I really know that the most important thing uh, is taking care of your clients and, and doing it wholeheartedly, not half-assing it, like really like 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, I will answer most questions. And I did it on strategies. I do it on our own thread. And um and I also, you know what, guess what? I'm sure you've also seen nothing's ever perfect. There's going to be somebody that has a bad internet connection or something and they go on strategies or somewhere and they're like, Mevo's terrible, Mevo's slow. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those are things that have even happened. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so important, even on the negative stuff, to get in there and say, hey, we're here for you. Let's help you out. And guess what? Those people become the biggest advocates because they're like, oh my God, 
I didn't have my internet split and somebody was downloading a video in the employee, you know, lounge and that was our problem. Or as soon as they set this, this, and this, Mebo's great, you know, because we know Mebo's fast. We know that it works great. So I don't even mind. And I look at it as opportunity when you get those negative reviews or those negative feedback. When you're on social, how quickly you answer, how honest you answer really goes a long way. So I'm sure even back to what you said, Shelby, I'd say 90% of it's positive. But, you know, once in a while, somebody's complaining. And Mm -hmm. I'd say a lot of times it's training or just people didn't do their homework. You know, but sometimes it could be Mebo. And there, you know, we always have enhancements that we're doing. But I think that transparency and honesty is very visible and it's not faked. It's real. And, uh, and it comes from the top. I mean, I, I am the sole owner of Millennium. Uh, um, I have no partners. It's just me. And I, you know, leading by example is everything to me. Uh, one last thing I'll say about along that to just back that up. We have 230 employees. Do you know how many people are salespeople? Six. Oh, wow. It's word of mouth. When you take care of your clients and you deliver a great product, people start to talk about it. And, you know, um, I think we have the smallest sales team, but we're one of the largest software companies in the United States. So, um, wow. you know, that's really just the way I, I believe. Um, uh, and we've created new departments, like you're mentioning, that do proactive stuff. So not only do we have tech support, we have customer success, we call it, where every quarter we're checking in on you. Hey, are you running this report? Did you do this yet? Did you do that yet? Uh, why would you want to leave that company? You know? I, yeah, so. I've had several of those calls. I, I don't know. I can't say enough good things. I think this is also like validating to, to hear as like an owner who a lot of times on beauty forums, like we'll see people who like will post a bad review that they got. And then the comments will be like, Oh, just F her, just, you know, say this and whatever good riddance. And I like, we have really great reviews at our salon and, and I kind of take the approach that you were just saying, like, just hear them out, um, be honest and just find a solution. It doesn't have to be ugly. And, um, I just, I find that you can often turn things around. Um, you don't have to give like that energy back. And so, yeah, even if you get a bad review, the way that you handle it can actually gain you customers. I think hundred percent, you're hundred percent right, Shelby. And the thing I would say is it is hard, especially when you're passionate and you know how hard you work. So in my example, when I do see something negative, I take it personally because I know, what do you mean? I mean, I, I, I focus on support. I focus on a great product. I do all these things and you know, we don't, we're not perfect. Um, so I think in those ways that you respond are, are so important, but at the same time, I'll also say um, once in a while, you'll see me defending when I know for a fact, cause we record every call. We uh, know whether people watch the videos we told them to watch or we know whether they got the training and skipped out on their training. So there are, I won't call people out and say, you didn't want, you didn't get your training, but I will be honest with you that I, I will defend my team at the same time. So, and I, and I think that's important. So I've got clients that know that I'm transparent and honest with them and I tell it like it is, and I'm there for them as often as I can be at the same time. They also know that if you tell me that, you know, it's my team's fault and, you know, you guys didn't follow through and you didn't do that. And, you know, we've had people literally lie and say, I was on hold for 25 minutes and we go look and it was two and a half minutes. You know, it's sometimes important to, to not call them out, but, but to defend your team as well. So yeah. it's, a, it's a fine line, right? Whether I defend my team, because I know you did, again, in your world, I know for a fact, eyelashes, uh, 
my fiance gets them done all the time. And I've seen where she goes back and she's upset because her eyelashes fell out too early. And then I've also seen where she comes back in the car and it's like, well, it's because I use this product or I shouldn't have taken the shower or I shouldn't have done whatever. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a balance, but um, I think it's important to, you made a great point. You listen and empathize. Some abusive, you still got to defend your team as well. Completely agree. Um, so when, when somebody switches to Mevo from another platform, I feel like sometimes we end up staying with a platform, like just for another month, just for another month, because it's, you feel like it's such a taxing effort and like all this work going into switching all the information over. So can you talk about the ease of transition to Mevo too? Yeah. So I'm, I'm also very honest on this one. Anybody that switches off of any software to any other software um, that thinks that there's an easy transition, it doesn't exist. It really does not exist. You've got to learn the new tool. You've yep. got to convert the data. So we've done a lot of work, uh, probably more than any other competitor, as far as being able to convert data. At least get your clients out. Some of your, you get your formulas out. In certain cases, the history. Uh, so we've done a lot to make that transition easier. The other thing is we assign somebody, as you know, uh, from customer success to make sure that people are uh, doing the steps they need to be able to go live. So if you tell me I want to go live April 20th, well, then we've got these certain things we need to do in the next four weeks for you to be successful. And our job is to push and make sure, hey, you said you want to go live April 20th, got to get that training in, you got to set up your payroll, let's verify your payroll. So um, I think what I would tell people when they convert don't go in there thinking that it's going to be easy. It's going to take effort. But if you're converting it, you know, I'll just say it to Amiibo, it will be well worth the effort. Um, you'll have a better tool. You're going to be moving forward with technology, not only for you and your staff, but your clients with self-pay and some of the other stuff that we offer. Um, and, it, you know, you need to commit to it and really put the effort in uh, to do that conversion. But again, good companies like us, we don't want you just reading off a list or, you know, sending emails we're talking to you. We're talking to you every step of the way through it, um, getting your data. We convert it to show it to you. Then we convert it again to go live. So you get a kind of a sandbox to play in. I think that's super important. When you know you can go in there and click on things, do a transaction, book an appointment, but it's not real, you're going to be a lot less uh, anxious to just use the tool. And so by the time you go live, you've already played around with the tool with your own data. And I think that's super important. And you've been trained. Um, are there any like enhancements that you guys are working on right now to um, that you guys haven't released yet? So, yeah, we just had a call yesterday. So every every uh, six weeks we release something and then quarterly we release the bigger things. Right. Mm -hmm. So we call it R1. Um, we used to call it Q1, but sometimes it doesn't fall right on the quarter. So we're like, we're going to call it release one because it might end up being April. It might end up being May, depending on how much stuff we put into it. But we're doing some uh, really exciting things. We just re, uh, released yield management. So what that allows you to do is um, you can do pricing, either discounting uh, slower times of the day to encourage people to book at that time or on a Saturday actually have a premium. You know, if you want to come in on Saturday between 10 and 5, it's a 10, 20% premium. I mean, uh, so that's called yield management. We've added that. You can use it or not. Uh, we added a lot of features and more reports around the information people are looking to get out. Um, we've added uh, something to our thing called sales ranking. It's one of my favorite screens in Mevo under management sales ranking. You can rank your employees. You can rank your services, rank your products, rank your clients based on service sales, product sales, gift cards. 
but now we've actually added KPIs to those rankings. So if you select employee is what you're focused on, the list changes of things you can do. And you can actually rank people on rebook percentage, average ticket, number of new guests, like really cool stuff that um, I've always wanted to do even in Millennium and we didn't. So we're, we, we, we've added that. Uh, we added recently self-pay where you just send a text message to a client and they can pay. Um, we're adding products in packages. So you can actually bundle services and say, and by the way, you also get these products in that package. Uh, like we had in Millennium, uh, we didn't have that in Mevo. I don't think anybody, or the competitors that I know of have it, but we want to add that also to Mevo because we had it in Millennium. Um, lots of stuff. I, uh, so many things on the roadmap that we're super excited about, including new dashboards coming out. We have a new, oh, this one's super cool. I'll, I'll give this one out. We are within two months of launching what's called uh, Mevo BI. BI stands for Business Intelligence, and it's an app. And it's a full-blown app on your phone that gives you all the strategies. It's literally like strategies in a box. You know, uh, all the things that you care about. And then you can drill down on it. You can go this month compared to the same month last year and all that type of stuff. So super excited about that to start kind of getting past those core parts of Mevo 2 that we needed to get in there. So we can kind of start focusing on the forward focus stuff of business intelligence and, and yeah. apps like that. That's so cool. Um, have y'all talked about ever um, doing like apps for like, if I wanted a pink lady lash app for my clients um, to ever, but it being me though, you know? Yeah. So we have a partnership with salon clouds that they actually do a consumer app that hooks into Mevo uh, oh. that lets, uh, today. So you can actually sign up for that and they actually design it the way you want it. You choose your colors, you choose, you want round buttons, square buttons, that type of stuff gives you access to gift cards, online booking, um, uh, you know, employee profiles, five-star reviews to see how you're doing some fun scratch off things where they scratch off on their phone and they can maybe get a discount if they come in that week as an incentive. So we do have that already. Um, and it shows up in the app store as your salon or your, mm -hmm. your, your studio name. Um, we also have coming out in the fourth quarter this year, uh, our own consumer app uh, from Evo that will um, uh, have some really cool uh, features in it to be able to go back and forth with the client using push notifications like, hey, I'm going to be running a little late and you'll, it'll actually show up inside of Evo or you could respond to them and it'll go back to the app. So some really cool stuff with regard to consumer based stuff. And we also have e-commerce in final beta. So you'll be able to sell products online. Uh, and it shows up right inside Mevo, takes it out of your inventory in Mevo, shows up on your MR80 report. So really cool stuff. Um, that's in final beta. We've got several places on it now. That's so exciting. Um, okay, last question. I ask this question on every single episode. Um, basically, what is your favorite failure? It doesn't have to be a time you actually failed, but felt like you failed. Um, uh, it's a pretty actual failure. And uh, again, one thing about me is I am transparent. Um, we call it Mevo 2 for a reason. So when we first went to cloud in 2010, we started development, we released Mevo 1 in 2014, and we had paid these big time Microsoft consultants to make sure we did cloud right. And quite frankly, they st steered us selfishly in a certain Microsoft way that ended up being a complete failure because the technology they pushed us to do it on ended up not working out well for Microsoft either. And they ended up discontinuing it around 2016. So can you imagine, I just spent millions of dollars building a beautiful tool that now the, the, it wouldn't work on an iPhone or an iPad. 
they took out that uh, Apple and Microsoft got, got in a fight in the middle of this development and said, okay, we're not going to allow apps built in this certain thing to work on an iPhone or an iPad. That's the death of a cloud system right there. So we quickly reacted. I tripled the size of the development department. Um, and I said, we need to have something by 2017. And so we built Mevo 2, the first version of it by 2017. And, it, uh, and I said, this time, because we're late, we're going to actually leapfrog our competitors and be the first system where the entire system works on every device, Mac, PC, tablet, Samsung Galaxy, Android, iPhone, all of the entire system. So we are the only system because we were late. So I took a failure and leaped forward with it, right? So we're the only system that works entirely on a phone, the entire system. Anything I can do uh, on a computer, I can do on the phone. And it just allows you to have Mevo in your pocket fully without having a limited little app that maybe just lets you do a few things. So I think um, it's important when you have a failure like that. And I'll be honest with you, it hurt because I can pretty much tell you we, we hit home runs every year. We're the most awarded system in the history of the beauty industry. All of our competitors admit to looking at Mevo, our Millennium reports, and kind of learning what mattered and building it around kind of what Millennium did. And so to have that failure really was an eye-opener for me. Um, I don't think there's anything we did completely wrong. We got misled. But how we reacted to that and le leapt forward, to me, is the, the, real, um, the real beauty of what we, we did as a company. And, and me just say, always living within my means. I always tell people, live within your means. You know, I don't have investors. And so, you know, to build Mevo, it's tens of millions of dollars. So to, to, to make that decision and say, we're going to do this, we're going to triple the size of the company and not even have to go take a bank loan or, or take money from investors and do it right. To me, again, that's all about uh, making sure, even though you're doing well as an owner, just always keep that money, you know, uh, for these 2020, you know, COVID came, we still succeeded in 2020. We uh, landed a lot of new accounts. We got a lot of millennium clients converted over to Mebo. We ended up still being very profitable in, in a really terrible year. But we also still had that, that, that uh, cash on the balance sheet to make sure that we're healthy. So I just would say that, that this, you know, especially in light of everything that happened with the pandemic and stuff, is let this be a lesson to everybody to just keep a few months of payroll and everything in your account and, and, and don't live beyond your means. Because if you do have a failure, you want to be able to bounce back. And we were able to do that. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am posting one more episode of season nine, and then I will be taking a quick little break for about six weeks, and I'll be back for season 10 later this summer. If you want to check out Mevo 2 and learn more about the software, I'll put a link in the show notes. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and I'll be back very soon with the last episode of season nine.